Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, everybody. It's 7.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen, and uh, this is uh, Bloomberg Surveillance. We have news out from J.P. J.C. Penney, the latest retailer to report bad news. First quarter adjusted loss per share of 32 cents. The net sales come in at 2.81 billion. The forecast was for 2.92 billion. Of course, Nordstrom last night reporting disappointing news. Penny shares at the moment are rising, though, in the pre-market. They're uh, up about five percent. We'll see if that continues. Uh, Nordstrom shares down 16 percent. Everybody watching Apple? Billion-dollar investment in Didi. That's the Uber of China, giving the Chinese uh, ride-hailing startup a powerful ally. Delivers a blow to Uber. They're going to build up their ride-sharing platform. U.S. authorities. Authorities, by the way, investigating more than a dozen companies as part of the bribery scandal down in Brazil involving Petrobras. Uh, They are looking at any company in the U.S. that's been named publicly in that Brazilian investigation. So keep an eye on that. Now let's check in with Michael Barr. Get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, thank you very much. Two troopers have been relieved of duty following an arrest caught on video in New Hampshire. They show police pummeling a suspect in a high-speed chase who appeared to be surrendering. One trooper was with the New Hampshire State Police. The other was with the Massachusetts State Police. The Obama administration is releasing a directive today to U.S. public schools across the nation involving transgender rights. It calls for the schools to allow transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms based on their gender identity. In a statement released by U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch, there is no room in our schools for discrimination of any kind, including discrimination against transgender students on the basis of their sex. Hezbollah's top commander in Syria was killed in an explosion near the Damascus International Airport. The death of 55-year-old Mustafa Badruddin is a major blow to the Iran-backed Lebanese militant group fighting alongside Syrian President Assad. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Land Rover Parsippany Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's Judd Stashen. Thanks, Mike. Last time the Mets faced Clayton Kershaw in L.A., they were able to beat the Dodgers' ace. That started last year's postseason. Last night, they did nothing against them. Three harmless singles. They struck out 13 times. Dodgers won 5 nothing. Yasmani Grandal, a three-run homer and a four-run first inning against Bartolo Colon. So they split the four-game series. Yankees took three of four from the slumping Royals. They won 7-3 as three infielders homered Starlin Castro, D.D. Gregorius, and yes, even Chase Headley raising his average to 194 in his 91st at-bat of the season. Headley got his first extra base hit. Oklahoma City Thunder won two straight in San Antonio. They did not want to have to go back there and try and win a third in a row. They ended the series at home, game six, 113-99. OKC was up by 24 at halftime. Kevin Durant scored 37 points. Thunder and Warriors in the West Finals starting Monday in Oakland. Stanley Cup playoffs, St. Louis and San Jose. Two teams who've never won the Cup will face off in the West. Night after the Blues won Game 7 by five goals. The Sharks took Game 7 from Nashville, 5-0. Opening round Players Championship, world number one Jason Day tied the course record at Sawgrass, a 9-under-63. Two-shot lead with Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stanchett. 
Thank you, John. Well, we are looking at uh, JCPenney shares. They have turned around as the company reports a loss down 14% in the pre-market trade. Nordstrom remains down by 17% this morning. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene, and we are not looking at a good start to the day. Futures lower across the board with S&P futures down four points. Dow futures down 51. They're trading lower in Europe. Stock 600 is down by a point, three-tenths of a percent. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. If you're looking to fund that tech startup, you should know that new crowdfunding rules taking effect Monday will allow anyone to invest in startups, not just wealthy people. The change overrides a longstanding security an exchange commission requirement that investors backing private companies be accredited, meaning they make at least $200,000 a year and have a net worth of $1 million or more, including their home. Now startups raising money through online crowdfunding portals will be able to sell shares to people regardless of their wealth or income, so long as the founders have submitted annual financial reports to the SEC. In exchange, companies can raise up to $1 million. SWIFT, the interbank messaging system embroiled in one of the largest cyber heists in history, warned customers that hackers have struck again, attacking a commercial bank client that it didn't name. Details of a second hack follow a cyber theft in February when more than $80 million was stolen from Bangladesh's account at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Facebook is offering an insider's look at how it comes up with its trending topics feature. This in response to a claim the social networking site shunts conservative news stories away from readers. Facebook says there are a number of checks and balances using both algorithms and humans to make sure there's no bias in the trending topics section. Still, CEO Mark Zuckerberg says in a post that he will host open discussions with conservative leaders and other politicians about how the company can avoid appearing biased. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Thank you, Bob. Well, it's, uh, as we mentioned, not a good start to a day after a couple of uh, bad days in the market. So um, we're going to turn to somebody who's used to stuff like that. David Sowerby is a portfolio manager, vice president at Loomis Sales, and he comes from Detroit, where he was involved in the uh, financial system there, the, the retirement system. So you, you know, bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> How's that, Michael? You, you know what negative numbers look like. Uh, yeah, yes, I, yes, I do, and I've seen a few movies or two on up-and-down markets. Yeah. All right. So um, the question, the, the, the discussion we were having earlier today, and I was talking with uh, Bloomberg First Word Europe's uh, John Farrell about this, is that there doesn't seem to be a theme in the markets. There doesn't seem to be something that everybody can invest on, that everybody can get behind. So every day we get a new piece of news on something, and that drives trading. It, it does, and whether it's my institutional clients or or private clients, they always want to know what's what's the soup of the day that's driving the market. And sometimes we simply don't know. We never try to fabricate an answer. But at the end of the day, it's going to be are, are companies generating solid earnings and especially even better cash flow from operations? Do they have a good business model? Am I paying the right price for them? And then that's the micro perspective. And then from the macro, do we have enough of a macro tailwind and not a incredible headwind? 
that can make the market compound somewhere between 7 and 8% annualized rates over the next two or three years. Between now and the election, I have no idea. But over the next two or three years, I think stocks are the asset class of choice. That's an interesting call. Uh, this wasn't where I was going to go, but um, there are two very different uh, political viewpoints at play in this election, uh, whether uh, it's Hillary Clinton or uh, Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side uh, versus um, the Donald. Uh, how can you be so confident when you have no idea which will prevail? Maybe it's because in the years of investing, I've watched Wall Street write tons of research on who wins, who loses, what does it mean to the market, what does it mean to this industry or that industry, and probably 95% of the time, the research does not prove to be correct. Companies will still find a way to, to generate respectable growth, even in the face of misguided fiscal policy, which we're still seeing at the federal level, whether it's directly in taxes or indirectly in regulation. And I think as a portfolio manager, if I always work under the assumption of government will do the least amount to fix a problem compared to the private sector, that'll be my axiom for managing money. And we will get through this even amid this incredible, unprecedented uncertainty in this election year. Well, nobody will accuse the U.S. government of doing anything over the last four or five years to particularly uh, benefit uh, corporate earnings and, uh, and the economy. Um, but companies haven't been generating anything for the last year. I mean, we've had four negative quarters. We, we have, and the best you can say is the, the disappointing news has gotten less disappointing and is probably going to witness an inflection point in the current quarter where we bottom on on earnings growth and we can reaccelerate to the to the seven six percent growth rate in in corporate earnings and I'd go even a little deeper on on companies cash flow growth that's where I spend more of my time hunting and fishing and I think that can can be at least a movement in the right direction, particularly if you look over the last month at guidance. I think guidance on the margin has gotten somewhat better from corporate America that they will benefit now from some depreciation in the dollar, yeah. that they're still benefiting from low interest rates, and we'll get this election behind us and earnings will reaccelerate. Well, we'll continue that conversation because uh, people don't know it, but Tom Keene's parents named him Cash Flow Keene. He just goes by Tom. Uh, so we'll come back and talk about free cash flow with David Sowerby from Loomis Sales and what it, uh, what it looks like and what the outlook is for American corporate earnings coming up here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by CGMA Chartered Global Management Accountant. The CGMA designation and program deliver critical skills your finance team needs to succeed. Learn more at cgma.org slash radio. J.C. Penney down 13.5% after first quarter same-store sales fell four-tenths percent. Analysts were looking for a gain. Nordstrom also lower in early trading, down 16.5% after cutting its annual forecast, adding to evidence that the department store industry is mired in a deep slump. U.S. stock index futures are falling, signaling equities will open lower as investors turn their focus to data for clues on the health of economy of the economy following a lackluster earnings season. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down six points. Dow E-mini futures down 60 and Nasdaq E-mini futures down 12. The DAX in Germany is up to tenths percent while the CAC in Paris and FT100 are moving lower. Ten-year treasury up 830 seconds. The yield 1.7 2%. NYMEX crude oil down 1% or 46 cents to 46.23 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $5.70 to 12.76.90 an ounce. The euro $1.1349, again 108.92. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you very much. Uh, we're talking with uh, David Sowerby of Loomis Sales. He's a uh, vice president and uh, part of the firm's investment counseling group. And just before the break, um, he was talking to us about the import of uh, looking at free cash flow to identify good investments. And since Tom Keene is the – for years, Tom has been pounding into me free cash flow. Free cash flow. Well, uh, I'm going to let you two discuss. Let's as, he, as he well should. Yes, I, I, I've, drink, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, you know, I, I look at Apple with modeled cash from operations of something in the vicinity of $70 billion, and they're going to spend $11 billion of that feeling good, which means free cash flow of $55 billion. What has changed in the mandate of what to do with that money? From 10 years ago or from 12 years ago, David, what's the new new of what any given corporation should do with that operations less CapEx number? The, the best answer, Tom, is it's fluid. Do, do I, as the, the senior management, do I decide to increase the dividend, repurchase shares, decide that capital spending will give me positive return on invested capital? Uh, do a sensible, not a value-destroying acquisition. It all speaks to that wonderful book, The Outsiders by Thorndike, which I'd recommend to anybody, not The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton and Pony Boy. But I think those CEOs that have proven to be effective allocators of capital are the ones that which are best at increasing shareholder value. That's the best answer I can give is it's always fluid on how you deploy your capital. Yeah. Michael, the outsiders, eight unconventional CEOs in their radically rational blueprint for success. And what's interesting uh, about that within the rationality, it's, it's a sick book. Tom Murphy is, you know, chapter one. Mr. Buffet is also in there. Richard Smith, good morning, Bloomberg. 1200 Boston. In there's a chapter on Richard Smith. He, we, we, he's been on the show, I think, twice with General Cinema and what they did. What is that model that makes a Richard Smith or the iconic Henry Singleton different? <laughs> Singleton being the key at Teradyne. I thought yes. that was so effective as the first chapter. They, I think one of the themes I got out of the, the reading the book was good CEOs 
low profiles, uh, not, not very large headquarters, and empower their division heads to, to make good decisions and then to deploy that capital. And to the broader aspect of free cash flow, I'm still amazed that when you survey Wall Street analysts and you ask them, what's the best valuation tool to look at? It's traditional price to earnings, price to book, price to sales. Yet any, any analytical work you do suggests that valuing companies on a free cash flow basis <clears throat> right. is the best source okay. of trying to find good companies. Can you do that, or can our listeners, either as amateurs or pros, do that where I don't know where the risk-free return is, or I can't do a net present value analysis taking the future cash flows, bringing them back to the present when I don't know what my discount rate is because of negative interest rates, QE this and QE that. I, it, it can certainly get complicated, but if you just defer back to the company's free cash flow divided by its market capitalization gives me free cash flow yield. I'll look at the portfolios that I work with, and they're generating a 6% or better free cash flow yield. That compares quite favorably to historically to high-yield bond yields and certainly the low yields in the 10-year Treasury. And if your typical listener can do that, I think relatively simple calculation, you're well on your way to finding good long-term investments. How's the... Uh the number of companies who fit your profile uh, changing. Uh, are we seeing companies, more companies starting in that direction? I think so. When you anecdotally, data is the plural of anecdote, as, as I've often heard, that when you roll up CFOs who talk about their dedication to generating cash flow from operations and free cash flow, that number is, is higher because they're better at, at using capital discipline compared to some of the questionable acquisitions of 15 years ago. I think that exists more. And off the market's February 11th lows, I think that will be a, a meaningful inflection point. You certainly had greater opportunity to buy companies with free cash flow yields that were attractive if you looked out two or three years. Is that because companies are doing a better job now or because there's something changed in the economy? In other words, are, are we seeing a shift uh, that we can take advantage of? I don't think it's a, it's a shift as much as companies are maybe have listened to the other side of the table, the investment side, who's questioned the, the, the previous value-destroying acquisitions and thought about how do I allocate my capital better and how do I focus on generating sensible cash flow from operations. I don't think it's anything great with the economy. We're still growing at about two-thirds the normal speed limit. I don't know if that's the new normal, but yeah. it certainly is unacceptable. So do I understand that Apple has a free cash flow yield of $55 billion divided by 495 Gazillion, and I believe my math is 11.1%. You are correct, and that's as of uh, the most recent period ending uh, March. And for the question, for the person who naturally questions Apple's long-term growth rate compared to its glory days, it, it makes Apple still a very interesting idea. Interesting. Yeah, I, it, is that too much math for Friday, Mike? No, no, never enough. Um, I'm just curious about Apple because uh, 
for whatever is this a, a kind of an odd situation where the numbers you use add up, but there's just some something psychological going on, and, and people have decided to hate Apple. I don't know if it's anything more simple than one chart I like to see from Ned Davis that shows any time a stock gets to be the biggest stock in the index, yes, it's usually a time to be more hesitant in owning it. You can, but more hesitant in owning it. And if you just look at that 20-year pattern, right. any time a stock gets to be the biggest in the index, it's time to be cautious. I, I find it interesting that you move the decimal point on Twitter, the free cash flow yield of Twitter calculated off the Bloomberg is 1.2%. <laughs> so 11.1 versus 1.2 Twitter. Which makes Twitter, if you check the filings, we, we, we do not own it. It makes Twitter more questionable compared mm-hmm. to other social media right. stocks such as a Facebook. Where's your opportunity in financials right now? That's a little bit different calculation, isn't it? Uh, I've owned Ameriprise for a number of years. It's been a good long-term wealth creator. It hasn't been in the last 12 months, the overhang of federal regulation. But that has been removed. Uh, it trades at about 10 times earnings, mm-hmm. free cash flow yield, and uh, quite enviable. I think valuation will go higher on a cash flow basis. But there's an idea that there was overhang from the federal government. This is a long-term a sensible company that operates both in asset management and in individual brokerage, uh, financial advice. There's an idea that's not a traditional bank, but one that I think has sustainability. This has been great. David Sarby, thank you so much. A little mathematics, folks, to get you uh, going through the uh, weekend. Major shout-out to those of you studying for the Chartered Financial Analyst exams, plural, CFA exams, their big test might coming up in three weekends. We have our own proxy here on team surveillance. One T Riggs is studying for level two. Yep. It's changed her complexion. She's a little bit, you know. More sallow. She's sallow indoors. and yeah. panicking. And, and the fact that you uh, shout, give her a shout out on the year does not put any additional pressure. No, it does not at all. No. She killed it on level one. And right. And, and she walks around, she's saying, you know, equipment leasing, equipment leasing, <laughs> indirect cash flow. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, she's young, she's single, that's the way to get guys, talk about leasing equipment. It is. I mean, I mean, come on, a way to stop a bar. people. Come on, be serious now. A way to stop a bar conversation is to talk about discounted cash flow. Taylor Riggs and all of you worldwide studying for level one, two, three, four of a CFA exam. We wish you best of luck early June. Bloomberg Surveillance.